Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our reading today is from Exodus, chapter 32, verses 1 through 6, and continuing with verses 15 to 24. You may locate these texts in your pew Bible on page 77. First, let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it in a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain carrying the two tablets of the covenant in his hands, tablets that were written on both sides, written on the front and the back. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved upon the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the sound made by victors or the sound made by losers. It is the sound of revelers that I hear. As soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets from his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made, burned it with fire, ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people, they are bent on evil. They said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Whoever has gold, take it off. So they gave it to me, 
and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Physical growth happens by nature. We are born. We learn to walk. We develop skill and personality. We get jobs. The body moves in one direction. It's unavoidable. Spiritual growth is less a given. There are experiences that demand an engagement of our faith. The first time you fall in love, or hold a child, or say the 23rd Psalm for someone you have loved a long time. These and other experiences become part of our faith journey, but these alone will not develop faith as it could be. Through the journey of our life, for our faith to grow, sometimes we need to ask for directions. So you heard it, Moses comes down from the mountain after meeting with God. It was no ordinary meeting with God, if such a thing can ever be ordinary. No, this was the definitive conversation with God. This was with the time when God gives God's people the Ten Commandments. These foundational laws describe how we are to live in God's world, the way we are to be. The commandments are not so much rules as they are descriptions of what a human life, a real human life looks like in God's world. They speak the truth of who you and I are. And the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, meanwhile, while this conversation is happening up on the mountain, down in the valley, the people are growing impatient, wondering, what has happened to Moses? We don't know what's happened to him. People fresh from being freed from Egypt are enamored with their freedom and ready to build their own lives. Thank you very much. Who could blame them? While Moses is receiving truth from God, in the valley they began to create their own truth. They began to create their own way, their own world, if you will, because they have created their own God. When creatures believe we can become the creator of God, truth is the first casualty. Create your own God, you create your own worldview, you create your own world. The ancients called that idolatry. It, it is what happens when truth becomes something we create rather than something that exists that we must discern. When Moses finally does come down the mountain, he loses it. He breaks the stone tablets which was not as terrible as the people breaking what was written on the tablets. They couldn't even get through the first commandment, much less all of them. They're worshiping a statue. Now, it's a golden statue. I'll give you that. But it's still a statue. And Moses looks at Aaron with the way older brothers can look at younger brothers and ask, 
what in the world is going on? And Aaron, vice president in charge, while Moses is away, he responds twofold. First, he passes the buck. You know how these people are, how sinful they are. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? And then the second thing he says is, you know, it's the strangest thing. We threw some gold in the fire and out came this calf. Now, here's the thing. Aaron's not telling the truth. He's just not. But it's not clear that Aaron knows he's not telling the truth. Or does he believe this alternative God just showed up? Deceit works like that. Say something loud enough and long enough, and it becomes believable. But truth is not something we create. It is something we discern. So we're asking ourselves in this series, if we want our faith to grow, what, what if by September of 2023, our faith was deeper, richer, more significant in our own lives? What do we need to do over this time period? What do we need to do to nourish our own faith? Last Sunday, I talked about the importance of being attentive to Scripture. And next Sunday, Roger's going to preach about the promise of prayer. Later, we'll talk about the importance of service and, and mission. These things you would expect in a series like this because they are sort of staples of Christian living, foundational practices of a life of faith. But some practices rise in importance, not just because they're part of the tradition, but because of the environment in which people of faith find themselves practicing faith at a given time. And such is the case for our conversation today. People of faith are called to discern the truth, not to create truth on our own, but to discern truth and not to settle for false narratives. As compelling as they may be, out came this calf. Truth is a slippery commodity these days. You know that. In 1972, uh, NASA launched Pioneer 10. It was a, a, a spacecraft with the power to escape our solar system. Uh, within a year, it was near Jupiter, and it was communicating. Uh, it was communicating pictures of Jupiter, but it it's. It was planned to continue on, and maybe it has, continue on toward the Aldebaran star, which is part of the Taurus constellation. It'll take two million years to get there, so don't wait on the report. In a first for NASA, Pioneer 10 was equipped to communicate with the possibility of intelligent life beyond our solar system. An aluminum plaque was attached to the spacecraft with messages 
for whoever might be out there. Now, it's a reasonable assumption that whatever intelligent life may be beyond our solar system is not likely to be fluent in English, for example. And so, what language could possibly be tapped to communicate beyond our solar system? NASA thought there was a way. Science. On an aluminum plaque, it showed the layout of the solar system, our location in the Milky Way galaxy, and the structure of the hydrogen atom. Now, why do that? As Neil deGrasse Tyson says in his book, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, I, I read it and realized I'm in a hurry, but I didn't get all the astrophysics. He says, science is the universal language, literally. The laws of science will be the same on a distant planet as they are here. If there is a way to communicate with life beyond, it needs to be the truth, facts, science. Facts matter. And if fact is the basis of communication with life beyond our solar system, you know this. Facts are the basis of our communication with one another. It's not the whole of our communication, but none of our communication can stand apart from them. Truth is the mortar that holds communities together. But increasingly in our world, facts are under assault. Facts of science are questioned, whether it be related to climate science or creationism. When elections are lost, they're not lost, they're just stolen. Say it loudly enough and often enough, people will believe. Vladimir Putin launched a war to drive Nazis out of Ukraine. Of course, it wasn't true, but that's the way golden calves work. Say it loudly enough and often enough, and it can seem true. I think God, who is truth, wants of you and me to pursue truth. And I wish that were easy. But it's not. You know it's not. It takes work. But that work starts with accepting facts as facts. It starts with recognizing fact as fact. A few years ago, Time Magazine asked on the cover, is truth dead? And they raised the question, are we entering a post-truth culture? And the article chronicled statement after statement after statement of, of public figures that were asserted as fact but had no basis in fact, no basis or support, just stated. Several years ago, the Rand Corporation released a report which they entitled Truth Decay. Michael Rich, then president of the Rand Corporation, said this. He said, this is a dangerous time 
Because in these days, Americans not only feel entitled to their own opinions, which they should, but a growing number of them feel entitled to cherry-pick facts to support that opinion or even commission up new facts if necessary. He said, when everyone has their own facts, then nobody really has any facts at all. And this matters because if factual conversation is the possibility to communicate with life beyond the solar system, it is also the foundation for conversation among us. Truth is the mortar that holds us together. And when truth is not pursued, communities break down. It's a requirement in your own families. You know this. Think about it. It's a requirement in this church family. It's a requirement of any community. When truth is something we create rather than discern, relationships erode. Years ago, I was driving home. I pulled on my street, and then I saw it. Oh, I had seen them other places. I hadn't seen one on my street yet. It was a yard sign, and it read, Village Church, respect thy neighbor. If you were here then, you'll remember. If you weren't, uh, what was going on is we were underway in constructing the Manili Center down at our 99th Street campus, and there were people in the community who objected to that plan. They didn't object to the construction of the Child and Family Development Center. No, it was the food pantry they did not want in this community. And so they organized to try to stop this. So neighbor talked to neighbor and neighbor talked to neighbor, and yard signs began to emerge almost overnight as an expression of protest. Almost overnight, it seemed they were everywhere. I was bothered by it. My neighbor, whom I had not yet met, with the yard sign, was mowing his lawn. I stopped the car. I stepped out. I said, hi, I'm Tom Orr. I, I live in that house right at the end of the street there. You can see I, li I live right there. I see your sign. Seems you're a little bit concerned about something about Village Church. Can you tell me about that? He said, yeah, I'm glad to. He went into a list of complaints, including that he'd heard from a very good friend that there would be over 100 semi-trucks pulling into that campus delivering food on a weekly basis, 100 trucks a week. I said, wow, that's, that, that's, that's a lot. He said, well, we just don't need that kind of traffic in this community. I said, I completely agree. He said, then do you want a yard sign? I said, no, that, that, that'd be bad for me to do. You see, I'm pastor of the village church. I wonder if I could bring by the plans of what we're doing there. I'd, I'd love to show them to you. Um, I, I wonder if I could bring by the plans because I'm afraid some of what you've heard is not accurate. Uh, now, now, look, I don't I don't really blame this guy. He had a friend tell him some things, that a friend told that friend, that a friend told that friend. And there were really 
very few people who are intentionally misleading. But that's the way golden calves work. You say it loud enough and often enough, it's almost true. But there is a cost because communities cannot hold together without truth. You've no doubt heard in recent weeks the news about the case with Alex Jones. He is the one who on his atrocious radio show, InfoWars, declared that the atrocity that occurred at Sandy Hook was a hoax. People who heard that and believed that began to threaten and to troll on social media parents who had lost their children in the to attack them for being part of a conspiracy to invent a mass shooting at an elementary school. It's horrific. When we create a narrative, we create a world that is not true, and that our faith calls idolatry. We are presuming to be God and discern and, de- and declare what is truth. But truth for you and me is never something we create. It is something we discern. One little dig deeper on this. Uh, Gia Tolentino is a writer for The New Yorker and a number of magazines. She's a 30-something thinker. She's written a book entitled Trick Mirror, Reflections on Self-Delusion. She speaks of this idolatry, although she would never use that word. As a 30-something, she writes about the power of social media, but also perceptively, I think, about its power over us. If you need translation, social media is Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, all the platforms change. She claims that social media tempts us to delusion. It tempts us to overvalue our own opinion, she says. She said, I can post my thought du jour and I garner enough likes and maybe some rants even, then I can convince myself I've done something important. She says social media teaches us that the only things that really matter in life are the things that matter to me. That's the overvaluing of my opinion. She quotes Mark Zuckerberg, who er, who was the founder of Facebook. And early in Facebook, Zuckerberg says, what works here is Facebook allows you to determine what matters. And the truth is, a squirrel dying in your front yard may matter more than a child dying in Africa. You can only say that if you've overvalued your opinion. This is what Tolentino calls overvaluing our opinions. This is what Exodus calls idolatry. We can overvalue our opinions to the point that we deem them truth, whether they are or not. And it is commonplace in our culture, and it's hurting us. And I wish I could give you a fix. I do. I wish I could tell you how to fix it. It's not easy. 
But in our world, people create their own truth, and therefore they create their own world. And they don't think of it this way, but they're creating their own gods, or but they're becoming their own god. So we have to start by knowing that truth is something that we discern. As people of faith, we seek to respect truth, to be careful with it, to remember that we are not God. So when it comes to truth, some humility is in order. I asked my neighbor, would it, would it be okay if I brought some plans by? I'd like to show you what we're doing because I think you have some bad information. He said, well, what do you think is inaccurate? I said, pretty much everything you've said, could I show you the plans? He said, well, sure. I did. To his credit, he said to me, I need to do two things. The first is I need to take my yard sign down. The second is I ask you to apologize to the good people of your congregation. Looks like they're doing a really good thing, and we're grateful to have it in our community. I was just misinformed, he said. He was. But he also forgot, as do we all, the truth is something that must be pursued. If your neighbor matters, if your neighbor matters to you, then so does truth, because we can't be neighbors without it. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.